With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the C-Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Chaz Nuttycomb, the director of C-Analysis. Today, I am joined by State Senator Scott Servell from the counties of Stafford, Prince William, and Fairfax. He is the vice chairman of the Senate Democratic Caucus. Uh, and I'm having him on today because uh, he has been... Uh, I think the, you. I think you were the first um, Senator Scurvell, uh, Servell, um, to the best of my recollection, to kind of be talking about the possibility of 2022 elections in the House of Delegates. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. Thanks for all you do to raise awareness about our issues and for focusing people on these, on this uh, redistricting. It's a it's a hugely important issue. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the last time. Um, that there had to be two elections in the row in House delegates. Um, I believe it was 1982, just right after the 1981 House of Delegates elections. What prompted that for those to occur? Well, uh, before before that year, Virginia had been the legislature had been using these multi-member districts to um, elect state delegates, and. Um, for example, in Fairfax County, you know, they had actually had two, they had the county divided in half and half the delegates be elected from one half and one half from the other. And um, in the 1980 redistricting, they tried to keep that around. And, and there was a lot of uh, problems with that. Um, number one, it, it diluted minority representation, right? When you, when you take a, it's a lot harder for a minority group to exercise or to elect a minority candidate when they're elected from a much larger pool. And number two, the, the districts had a, the, the margin of error in their, um, I shouldn't say the margin of error, but the difference in population size between the districts was not very uniform. I think it was like 15, there's a 15% variance, I think in some seats might've might've even has been as high as 20. Whereas like today in the districts we, we ran in, in, and, or that were drawn in the house in the last cycle or had about a 1% variance. These had like 15, 20% in the courts mm -hmm. basically said, you can't keep doing that. And the, the legislature basically 
court told the legislature to go back to the drawing board. They came back with districts which really weren't all that different. The court got kind of fed up and said, you know, no, we're going to draw them for you and or, you know, you got to fix this and, and we're going to have elections uh, next year because you've been dragging your heels about this. Okay. Um, yeah, I knew the uh, Virginia legislature used to be um, multi-member district, but I didn't realize it was um, it was that decade that it switched. And uh, I didn't know about the court involvement uh, and the mandates there. Um, so when it comes to the possibility of next year, obviously the reason would be that um, we are using the old districts, the ones that were drawn in 2011 and one fourth of which, which were uh, redrawn in 2019. We're using them this year, um, even though we're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be using new lines. So what part of the Virginia constitution, um, according to you, mandates that we have to have an election for the House delegates next year? Well, actually, there's nothing in the Constitution that says we have to have it next year. What the Constitution okay. says, yeah, what the Constitution says is that uh, we have to complete, we have to redraw them for this year's elections. It, it, and that's in, um, I think it's uh, Article 2, Section 6. And it says that... Um, Every ten years, we gotta we gotta redraw, and normally that's completed by uh, usually usually we have the session in April. The data comes in in February. The sessions in April. Usually there you know there's some back and forth. Sometimes every once in a while there's a veto. But usually the districts are in place for August primaries and November elections, um, and uh, and then we have new districts for the twenty. We would would have had them for the twenty twenty one session. The um, the other provision of the Constitution that was the new part, which is Section Six A, which is the part about the Virginia Redistricting Commission that the voters adopted in um, in twenty twenty, and that 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 language doesn't specifically you know say that the elections have to be in new districts this year, but it talks about the deadlines of when they have to be drawn. And I think the intent when they did it was that they'd be drawn before the 2021 elections. But given when the data is coming in, hopefully next month, it's just physically impossible, legally impossible to, to, to elect people in new districts this year. So the, I think the reason that they might get redrawn next year has more to do with constitutional law than it does the constant. It's, it's, it's an intermingling of the constitutional law, I guess, and the Virginia constitutional text, but, um, uh, if you look back at the, the Cosner opinion, they, they talk about it a little bit there, but it's, it's sort of broader constitutional principles, I think, that require it. Okay. I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to talk about those. <laughs> um, so I guess what would be, what would be the schedule to where we find out about whether it is, it becomes concrete. Uh, of, of whether they're going to be 2022 um, House elections. And also, let's say that the Republicans flip the House of Delegates this year. Uh, there's a decent chance of that, um, although I think Democrats are slight favorites right now. Um, but let's say the Republicans flip the, the chamber. Do you think they're going to be, do you think they're going to become pretty litigious and um, try and, uh, 
not have 2022 elections and say, no, we should wait until 2023? Well, of, of course. <laughs> but see, my, my thinking all along was that whoever's in the minority after the November elections is going to file suit asking for elections in 2022, mm-hmm. <laughs> whoever the minority is. Um, Paul Goldman has sort of preempted that, though, by filing his own lawsuit um, early. I guess he filed it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he, he claims he wants to run in the 68th district, and that he, it's a clever way of trying to give himself standing <laughs> to file the lawsuit now. Um, but it's probably... I mean, and I, I, anyway, his 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 complaint heavily relies on the 1981-1982 litigation that you mentioned earlier, um, and so I'm not sure the court will take that up before we ever get to the point where whoever's in the minority is bringing suit. But um, it's clear that somebody's bringing suit, and the court's going to have to decide this sometime, probably in the next probably six to I don't know six to ten months, something like that. Okay, so do you think, well, six to 10 months, so it may not even be before the end of the year, um, you're saying that we find out whether there are going to be 2022 elections. Well, it, it might be. I don't, you know, I don't, it, it, if, if I were a court, I might sort of want to wait for the redistricting commission to finish its work, but, um, you know, it's possible they could take it up before that. I mean, the the decision about whether or not to have elections next year does not necessarily depend on what the districts look like, right? So um, it's possible a court could decide it sooner rather than later. Um, it's possible. I just, you know, litigation is, is uncertain business, and um, and I'm not going to try and predict exactly what that schedule is, but precisely to to I think to the degree you want me to predict it, but but. Um, uh, I mean, Goldman's case is just beginning. And in theory, that could resolve itself, you know, in three or four months in theory. But in all likelihood, you know, there's a lot of people involved. And the redistricting commission hasn't even completed its work yet. So um, uh, right. you know, I, I think the courts just might want to see what happens there before they start making orders. Yeah. And well, so with the redistricting commission, you know, the data, uh, the redistricting data, I guess the sort of quote I would say unpolished or uh, on data it's uh, um, comes out in August uh, to the best of my recollection. It's uh, uh, kind of in the old format, um, but the uh, census bureau is releasing the um, you know, kind of, kind of new format for districting data in um, September. Uh, I'm not sure whether the commission is just, going to use the old format data and kind of, I guess, polish it themselves or, or the Commonwealth of Virginia polishes itself. Um, but um, how long do you think that process would take? Do you really think the, the redistricting process, let's say, you know, let's say the Commonwealth of Virginia waits until um, September for the uh, new data format? Um, do you really think it could be until 2022 that the commission actually completes its work? Uh, unfortunately, I think that's a possibility. Uh, 
Here's the problem is that, first of all, the, the language in the constitutional amendment is not clear. It, it doesn't say exactly which data has to be received, whether it's rough data or the polished data, it just says data. And so it's not clear exactly when that deadline starts to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, if what I've heard is that this that initial slug of data is likely to arrive August 15, 16, something like that. And under the constitutional language, maps are to be submitted for the legislative districts 45 days from receipt of the data, congressional districts 60 days from the receipt of the data. If the timeline on a best case scenario, if you assume August 15th start, um, that would mean that the legislature would have to meet around October the 1st or 2nd, I think is what the, I think is how it plays out. Um, but, um, or actually, I'm sorry, the legislature, I think would have to vote it through by August 1st or 2nd. It actually takes, because of the legislative process, at least five legislative days to push a plan through unless the minority waives readings and things. So we'd probably be in session towards the end of September or October. However, there are a number of other alternate scenarios in the constitutional amendment that could push the adoption of the plan back as far as Thanksgiving, I believe, um, if different scenarios play out. So, and that, that again, all assumes an August 15th trigger, right? If, if, if the trigger is receipt yeah. of the cleaned up data, then it could be later, right? Um, so, and, and of course, if the Supreme Court ends up, ends up drawing at the end of the day, you know, that probably wouldn't happen until probably early um, 20, uh, 22. I didn't really focus on the deadline the Supreme Court has. And I think there's a deadline in here in this constitutional language for them, for them too. But it's getting pretty close to 2022 if that happens. Yeah. And so you were saying, um, you're mentioning a little bit earlier about how it, it could be delayed. And I'm guessing one of the ways that it could be delayed um, would be if. Um, the power to to draw these maps were um, thrown to, to the uh, states, um, the Supreme Court of Virginia, correct? That it would be delayed all the way up until Thanksgiving. Well, that's that's yeah, that's that's the ultimate delay scenario. There's there's a couple others. Um, just, you know, for example, if the commission can't agree on a plan then they get a second 14 day period to agree on a plan. And then if the legislature can't approve the plan, then there's a back and a forth that it goes on again. And since there's a number of other different delays that could, that could go on or rounds of this that could happen. But, you know, if, if, if everything, you know, face plants that the ultimate decision would go to the Supreme court, that's the, the, that would, that's the scenario that would take the longest. Yeah. Well, I think that if the commission does draw um, a fair map, you're, you're meant, we were talking about earlier about how whoever is in the minority will file um, you know, lawsuits to try and prevent 2022 elections. But I think regardless of whether the Democrats um, have majority or are in a minority, I think it would be smart for them in the House delegates to uh, try and get 2022 elections because um, just the fact that Loudoun County, they get a free seat in Loudoun County because of the population there has exploded. Um, you know, unless the map turns out to be somehow 
a ridiculous Republican gerrymander. Um, they should be getting a free seat in Loudoun County. A fair map would also give them a free seat in Charlottesville. Rob Bell's seat would pretty much turn from a solid Republican seat to a solid Democratic seat. Um, Chris Hurst's seat should be solidly Democratic because it would just be Montgomery and Radford. Um, and I'm thinking off the top of my head, um, I think that one of the seats currently in the, in the Chesterfield area will become uh, more Democratic. Skylar Van Valkenburg's seat becomes solidly Democratic. I, I, I could go on and on and on. Um, but my point being is that you know, regardless, if there are 2022 elections, even though I think that 2022 is going to be um, a good year for the Republicans nationally, um, I still think that Democrats would have a net gain in the House of Delegates um, under a fair map, um, given the population changes uh, in Virginia. Now, let's say Ross Tyler wins re-election this year. If they really want to protect Ross Tyler, then I guess they would delay it because Ross Tyler's seat is pretty much going to become a free Republican pickup um, in uh, 2022 or 2023, really, um, uh, given the population loss there. Um, so do you see a scenario where, you know, let's say the Democrats win a majority this year and decide, you know, they want another round as soon as possible. Um, if the map is good enough for them in 2022. Yeah. So you threw a lot in there and <laughs> there's a lot of, you threw a lot in there and there's also a lot of assumptions in there. Um, so let me, let me try and go at what you just said a couple of different ways. Um, um, first of all, um, and, and let me just make clear for purposes of this conversation that, um, I have not spoken to anybody on the commission about lines or data or maps or, or I haven't, I haven't talked to anybody in the commission about you know, what they're going to do. Um, the Virginia code specifically prohibits members of the legislature from speaking to members of the commission about what they're going to do, unless it's on the record in front of the entire commission in a meeting. So um, I have, I have, everything I'm saying is, is my own opinion. It's not based on any kind of actual knowledge of, of what they're saying. Okay. That's number one. <laughs> and, uh, and number two, nobody in the legislature has told me that uh, if they're in the minority, they're going to file a lawsuit. <laughs> I'm just, that's again, my sort of surmise, because I think that would be in whoever's in the minority's best interest just to take another shot. But so in terms of what you just said, in terms of, how things are likely to be redrawn. The only thing we know is that two seats have to move from the North Carolina, two house seats have to move from the North Carolina border to uh, Northern Virginia, that Fredericksburg has had some big growth and that things have to sort of shrink around there. Um, and, uh, and then we know that one Senate seat or about three quarters of the Senate seat needs to move from somewhere along the North Carolina border up to Northern Virginia. Probably, Prince William Loudon area, right? So that's that's what we know. What we don't know is what the lines are going to be. We do know, though, that basically either Democrats or Republicans have a veto over anything that gets drawn. And uh, you know, I I think you're I think you're right that there's going to be new delegate seats in Prince William and Loudon, but 
I think it's kind of premature to speculate who they're going to favor. There's a lot of areas of Prince William and the western part of Prince William and the western part of Loudoun that um, even during Trump were still voting pretty reliably, or, you know, pink, pink, I guess. And I think in a in a post-Trump environment, um, there's a possibility they could revert to red, especially if if turnout, um, if Democratic turnout doesn't sustain itself, uh, which historically has been the case. Although we haven't done this with our new new voting rules, with you know 45-day voting period, no excuse absentee, and everything else. So, um, you know, I, I think I think whether no matter what the maps look like, I think somebody's going to file suit just because. Uh, it gives them another shot at getting into the majority. And, you know, it's, it's, Im- it's often impossible to try and predict what November is going to look like in January when you're making these decisions. Right. So I just think it's just, it's the best way to get out of the minority is to have another shot at the elections. So, um, but, you know, I can't really comment on, on your, your thought about, you know, Albemarle getting better or, or, uh, you know, anything in Loudoun being an okay seat for Democrats. I'm not really sure that's the case. Because I think, like, for example, if you were to draw a delegate seat that was all like, you know, the Brentsville and Gainesville supervisor districts in Prince William County, you know, that those two supervisor districts have two Republicans representing them right now. I think that could be a pretty pinky, uh, you know, delegate seat for somebody if, if one were, were to be drawn there, right? So, um, you know, Western Loudoun has not always been the best territory for Democrats. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the, what the seats look like. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess that's kind of, um, toward, toward the latter part of my question. If, if there is a map that the Democrats see that, um, you know, they see that they can pick up seats, they will pick up, let's say that the map is, is a fair map. Um, and in a fair map, it would undo a lot of Republican gerrymandering and, that with the population growth, um, you know, like you said, there are going to be seats moving from the North Carolina border, one in like the South side region and one in Southwest Virginia, moving up to Nova. Um, and those seats would at least be competitive. Um, yes, I agree. So, they would be com- competitive. Yeah. At, at least if not a solid democratic pickup, depending on how the lines are drawn under a fair map um, from what I've seen using 2019 population, um, there should be an entirely new seat in eastern Loudoun County, which is pretty pretty solidly Democratic. But my, my point is that if there is a map that the Democrats see in the House of Delegates that has been signed off on to where they would quite likely um, get a net gain in seats, um, whether that be free seats or whether just, you know, in general, the undoing gerrymandering is just so good for them. Um, and let's say they have the majority after 2021, do you think that they would want to, um, and let's say the Republicans do file suit to try and get 2022 elections, um, even though the map may not be good for them, um, let, do you think that the Democrats, if they think the map is really good for them and that they would almost certainly or quite likely at the very least get a net gain? Do you think they would want 2022 elections if they're a majority or do you think they want to try and do you, do you think they just want to wait until 2023? Yeah. So you threw a lot in there <laughs> and there's a lot of, you threw a lot in there and there's also a lot of assumptions in there. Um, so let me, let me try and go at what you just said a couple of different ways. Um, 
um, first of all, um, and, and let me just make clear for purposes of this conversation that um, I have not spoken to anybody on the commission about lines or data or maps or, or I, haven't, I haven't talked to anybody in the commission about you know, what they're going to do. Um, the Virginia Code specifically prohibits members of the legislature from speaking to members of the commission about what they're going to do unless it's on the record in front of the entire commission in a meeting. So um, I, have, I have, everything I'm saying is, is my own opinion. It's not based on any kind of actual knowledge of, of what they're saying. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> and, uh, and number two, nobody in the legislature has told me that uh, if they're in the minority, they're gonna file a lawsuit. <laughs> I'm just, that's again, my sort of surmise because I think that would be in whoever's in the minority's best interest just to take another shot. But so in terms of what you just said, in terms of how things are likely to be redrawn, the only thing we know is that two seats have to move from the North Carolina, two house seats have to move from the North Carolina border to uh, Northern Virginia, that Fredericksburg has had some big growth and that things have to sort of shrink around there. Um, and, uh, and we know that one Senate seat or about three quarters of a Senate seat needs to move from somewhere along the North Carolina border up to Northern Virginia, probably Prince William Loudon area, right? So that's, that's what we know. What we don't know is what the lines are going to be. We do know though, that basically either Democrats or Republicans have a veto over anything that gets drawn. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're... I think you're right that there's going to be new delegate seats in Prince William and Loudoun, but I think it's kind of premature to speculate who they're going to favor. There's a lot of areas of Prince William and the western part of Prince William and the western part of Loudoun that um, even during Trump were still voting pretty reliably, you know, pink, pink, I guess. And I think in a in a post-Trump environment, um, there's a possibility they could revert to red, especially if if turnout. Um, if Democratic turnout doesn't sustain itself, uh, which historically has been the case, although we haven't done this with our new new voting rules with, you know, 45 day voting period, no excuse absentee and everything else. So, um, you know, I, I think I think whether no matter what the maps look like, I think somebody's going to file suit just because uh, it gives them another shot at getting into the majority and. You know, it's 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 often impossible to try and predict what November is going to look like in January when you're making these decisions, right? So I just think it's just it's the best way to get out of the minority is to have another shot at the elections. So, um, but you know, I can't really comment on on your your thought about you know Albemarle getting better or or uh, you know anything in Loudoun being an okay seat for Democrats. I'm not really sure that's the case because I think, like for example, if you were to draw a delegate seat that was all like you know, the Brentsville and Gainesville supervisor districts in Prince William County, you know, that those two supervisor districts have two Republicans representing them right now. I think that could be a pretty pinky, uh, you know, delegate seat for somebody if, if one were, were to be drawn there, right? So, um, you know, Western Loudoun has not always been the best territory for Democrats. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the, what the seats look like. Um, yeah. Well, I think that... Uh, on the contrary to, let's say they end up with a 51 or 52 seat majority and the map is, um, let, let's say the map is very good for them in that scenario. Um, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't want to 
if there's just a, such a small chance of the Republicans picking up seats under said map that they would want to, you know, get new elections to have a bigger majority. Um, if that know, makes sense. Your, 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 your small chance, you know, and it's just that, first of all, I think that, you know, the idea that Republicans would draw maps that are somehow more favorable to Democrats is kind of a questionable assumption. But, but beyond all that, I mean, listen, I've lived through like a few waves now since, uh, since I got into this business and, you know, in 2009, when I ran for the first time, you know, Democrats got wiped out. And then, and then again, in the redistricting election after that, further wiped out. And then, you know, I, I still remember 2017 when, you know, the, we were all told that, you know, they were going to pick up three or four seats and ended up turning into 17. Right. And so when those waves come in, you know, they, they, they have a big effect. And, and sometimes you don't even know when, you know, you don't even know there's a wave coming. Right. So, um, you know, the, it's, it's easy to assume that the, the future reality is going to be pretty consistent, similar to the present. But, you know, if you look at history, you know, elections can be very unpredictable events. And so just putting yourself at risk by, you know, agreeing to another election or consenting to it or, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I it seems to have a lot of risk to me, um, but that's just me. That's fair. Um, so ba- ba- based on the timeline with, um, with, uh, suits and redistricting um, would the filing deadline um, for these hypothetical 2022 elections still be in March um, or, or would it, it be later? Um, or or it, would it be later? You're getting into speculative territory there now. So first of all, again, all this stuff is incredibly speculative. Just, you know, the, we've only had elections three years in a row in Virginia once, right? And it was in 1982 and different people have different interpretations about what happened in that case. Okay. I mean, some people Mm -hmm. feel like the court was just really angry because they felt like the legislature was sort of playing games. You know, the court said, go back and redraw. The legislature came back and and barely did a redraw and they were clearly being recalcitrant. The court was just angry and did it. But if you look at the decision, with the, in the decision, the court talks about how voters are entitled to be represented by the correct people. And, and that principle sort of flows from the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution, which says that, you know, that as citizens, we all have the right, the constitutional right, to be represented by the, the correct representatives in a fair fashion. And the courts, in, from my perspective, don't sort of suffer voters being represented by the wrong people unnecessarily, right? And we're, we're pushing around $80 billion a year. We're making decisions on very major issues of consequence. And to even have the wrong people making those votes for, for 12 months, to me, is constitutionally problematic, right? And I think, I think when a court looks at it, they're going to be likely to say, you know, no, the, the Virginians shouldn't have to have a, a a budget, an $80 billion budget drawn with two people representing the wrong part of the state in the House and one person, well, the Senate is going to change, but two people in the wrong part of the House for, for one budget. And who knows, you know, what the legislature could do if those two seats weren't moved, right? And so I think a court's likely to say, you know, have, have new elections. That's 
legally under the Equal Protection Clause and, you know, the old case of if it's still good law, Cosner v. Dalton, 81, that's what's likely to happen. Now, when will that and how will that play out on a litigation schedule? You know, first of all, somebody could, there's a lot of different scenarios that can happen, right? Paul Goldman could file for summary judgment in his case, you know, a month or two from now, a court could grant it. The court could say, we're not going to do this till after redistricting is done in Thanksgiving. And then it could not be decided till December, right? No matter when that case is decided, somebody's probably going to appeal it. It's going to go up to the court, to the Fourth Circuit. The Fourth Circuit could issue a stay and say, you know, nobody do anything until we decide. That could take some time, right? If you go up to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, a lot of times when election issues are involved, things are expedited because elections because of the nature of, of elections, right? So appeals and decisions and whatever that, but, but trying to predict exactly when the litigation washes out and when it reaches conclusion is, is, is very, very difficult. But in general, courts try to do it very promptly because of the stakes that are involved. So um, what, what we do know though, is that, is that given the way our election timetables work, I believe the latest we can have a partisan primary is August. After that, it becomes impossible, just because of the, you know, the, the, the way the, the way our election data works and the way the voter rolls work and everything. So the latest we could have a primary is August, which means, you know, the, the latest we could have of a, a, a filing deadline slash primary schedule for that might be like you know June or something like that, right? So. You know, worst case scenario, if we have elections in 2022, you know, you're talking about filing for the primary in, in June with a primary in, in August. Um, uh, that's worst case scenario. Best case scenario would be on a regular election schedule. Mm -hmm. to, where the, to where the primary is in June. Yeah. And, and by the way, just also remember, we, we have two different. No, nobody's talking about Congress here, but we're also drawing congressional districts who do have elections next year. And in theory, it's possible we could have elections proceeding on two different time frames, right? You could have the, the, the congressional ones on the regular time frame and the House ones, um, the House, House, House elections on a, on a separate time frame. For the primaries. But yeah, yeah, right. It's possible. I mean, I'm not saying it's likely or anything, but I'm just telling you that there's people haven't talked about the congressional seats a lot, but those have to be pre-drawn also. And, you know, control of the United States Congress is only at stake, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, with, don't be surprised if some, you know, some national money comes fishing around Virginia looking to challenge, you know, what, you know, what's happened, you know, in that, right? They won't, they won't spend it on our house and, and house and Senate plan, but so that's out there too. All right. All right. State Senator Scott Servell, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I hope uh, this has been enlightening uh, for my list for um, our listeners. Uh, it's definitely been enlightening for me on this process. Um, personally, I hope there are 2022 elections. It would be fun to see, um, you know, Virginia have elections in even number of years where the turnout is, um, usually pretty high uh, compared to the off-off year. Um, and uh, I am sure that members of the House of Delegates would, uh, or at least some members of the House of Delegates would, <laughs> would disagree because, you know, no, I don't think there's a lot of people that want to run three years in a row 
unless again um, they think that uh, in 2022 they can uh, get into the majority again, um, or again you know unless Democrats want to, uh, if the map is good for them they can have a net gain and they want to go through with it. Um, but regardless, I'm sure by uh, by 2023, you know members of the House delegates are going to be pretty exhausted. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks so much. Again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and thanks, thanks again for your for your interest in in, in highlighting this. It's gonna be a fun year. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.